It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. We've made it. Almost through the end of the year, about two weeks left in the month of December. Hey, welcome to Green and Growing, your host, Ashley Frasca, for this December 12th version of the show. And as you heard Robin mention, it is a shortened show today to make room for the Georgia Bulldogs, who have again traveled to Missouri to try to take on the Missouri Tigers. So uh, pregame and tailgate begins at 8, kickoff at noon, and I think they may be better off playing in Missouri because we have pretty uh 100% chance for showers today throughout the day, kind of really beginning in late afternoon. So um, you'll be tuning your radio right here to 95.5 WSB to hear the Georgia Bulldogs kick off at noon. So I'm here with you until 8 o'clock and really looking forward to talking to you, answering your plant questions. 404-872-0750 is the number. So I had a chance to do something kind of fun this week. The Georgia Arborist Association had their winter workshop and awards, and I was asked to MC that, and it was all virtual. So it was pretty amazing just being able to click a link and join some of the, the state's best arborists and see them all on a Zoom call. There was about 50 people coming and going throughout the course of the evening. And uh, it was just really, really a very educational program, a very fun program. And you can tell that is certainly a group of folks that are very passionate about the work they do and certainly very knowledgeable, just nonstop education in that field, things constantly changing and evolving and things for them to learn. And I wanted to congratulate the Georgia Arborist Association Arborist of the Year, Christy Bryant, who just happened to be on this very program last week. And I didn't even know when I asked her to be on the show did not even know that she was up for that award. So congratulations to Christy. So there you go. You got some really good info last weekend from the uh, GAA Arborist of the Year. And she's currently or, or beginning or ready to begin her third term as president of that organization as well. So it's a really good resource for you folks if you're a homeowner and you're just kind of sketched out by some companies that do tree work and um, you know, you, you really feel like you have to get them to sign a release and see their insurance and something just doesn't feel right. Or there may, unfortunately, be maybe too late. You've had damage to the house or something like that. So when you go on georgiaarborist.org, you can see upcoming events that they have, information and documents about tree care and storm damage and things like that, things you need to know. But more importantly, with a member directory, you find you know, certified Georgia Arborist, ISA certified arborists in your area um, and all their credentials and all of that. So georgiaarborist.org. All right. So it's that time of the program. It's about 10 minutes after six o'clock that I love talking to our first guest. And I'm always glad when she has a chance to call Nicole down in Griffin, GA. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Good morning, Ashley. Almost Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting close. Did you start the uh, Master Gardener? No, I have not. You know, I haven't even, I started everything back in January, February, and then everything got shut down. Yeah, um, and yeah. I really haven't even looked back up for my county. What do you think? What do you know? N not much. Uh, I go sometime to uh, pick up some uh, brochure at the extension. And uh, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. Uh, most people don't know if their tree are dying. So uh, where I worked, they was asking me, you know, all the people, and there's a lot of tree around their house, so they want to know, so I brought them, 
you know, mushroom is not a good sign at the base. Mm-mm. Oh, no, and, you're right. Yeah, mushrooms yeah. feed off things that are decaying and dying. So, yeah, the fact that mushrooms pop at the ba- base of yeah, the tree, not good. Yeah, not good. Yeah. And if a big branch took the uh, trunk out, you know, they went in, inside the tree, the tree is going to have a hard time to heal itself because it's already past gone, you know. But anyway, yeah, those master- people... Yeah. Master gardeners can certainly help you maybe identify something that's yeah. wrong with the tree or, you know, some suspect signs, but then you want to get a, an arborist out there, especially if it's in danger of damaging property or your home or something like that. You want to get an arborist out there and really give you a good diagnosis and kind of, you know, give you the best uh, route to move forward with it. Well, it teach us to when we plant, we want everything yesterday. But 20 years after that, you said, yo, I should never plant this tree so close from the house. Oh, and I tell you, Japanese maples. Uh, yeah, pine mm-hmm. tree came down a long way because they're so tall. And uh, ivy is never good on the pine tree or any tree because uh, the weight from the ivy is going to eventually, oh, I had some, those, son of a gun. The uh, ivy was so thick, it was probably uh, 50 cents around, and it wow. grew on the tree. Eventually, it will kill the tree, mm-hmm. but yeah. it, it takes a long time to get rid of it. And uh, just go at the base and cut the big old vine. Eventually, you know, uh, they're going to die. But anyway, uh, I like to talk about fern today. About it's, ferns? Yeah, uh, okay. all olive ferns, those big old ferns underneath, you know, in the shade. Mm-hmm. And you get Christmas fern, you get all kinds of fern. So you need to ask a girl. There's a girl when I was going to the master corner. She was expert on fern. Any oh, wow. kind of fern, she knew everything about it. Because we know a little about, you know, Boston fern, you know, you have to bring them inside. But there's a lot of fern that thrive in winter time, you know. And for me, I have the time, and it's time to divide them because the holy fern can get huge. I what mean, about the ones that just kind of grow wild out in the woods, you know, in a little more shady area, yeah, maybe that, by that, creeks and yeah. things like that? Those are worth dividing? Yeah, they don't mind at all. And fern are really natural. And they give you something green to look at it in winter because, you know, all the tree out bare and everything. I like to have something, anything that is green, you know, outside. But yeah, uh, you know, ferns. The only use I've ever found for them in my landscape, and I do like them. Don't don't get me wrong. Like under a deck or something, where yeah. just nothing else is going to grow, or maybe you've got pebbles or gravel or something underneath the deck, yeah. and just throwing some ferns in there near the hose, just kind of adds some nice. Greenery, yeah, but yeah, I have a ton growing out in the woods that my parents have taken out and moved to their house. Yes, because you know you get the little bitty fern. I mean, small fern that go in between in between rocks. If you have a rock, a wall full of rocks or brick, you plant those little thing, and they're just you know all over. It's something to do, you know. But uh, fern are really versatile. They don't like the hot sun. They love the shade. And I would love I, to do a survey of the listeners of who is trying to overwinter their ferns because it can really be very tricky and a little messy as they shed and do all of that. So I'd be curious, you know, I mean, folks love hanging them on the front 
porch and, you know, along the railings and things like that. So I wonder, you know, if people do put forth the effort to overwinter them once they've gotten so large, I'm sure you do. You don't want to lose it. Yeah, uh, because Boston fern, there's a lot of fern that uh, it's too cold here for for them. But um, the Boston fern, you separate them and leave at least two, three leaves so uh, the uh, the light, the, the leaf can catch up. You have to have a ratio between the bottom and the top. And those Boston fern, they have those round, like a ball, like a, any kind of ball. You just put them back in the dirt, and the leaves come up. That's how they um, propagate themselves. Yeah, with new fronds. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's you know what? one of my favorites right now. It's it's more of a house plant, but I have nursed a maidenhair fern back to life. It's such a delicate little wiry looking fern, and it's got tiny, tiny green, almost fan shaped leaves. Um, and if you really want to see some spectacular maidenhair ferns, you can go to the Atlanta Botanical Gardens and go in the uh, conservatory, and they've got some really awesome maidenhair ferns. But, I mean, I, I literally almost let it die. It's, it's small, um, but now asparagus. it's showing I six fronds. It's, yeah, I think it's asparagus fern. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's where the asparagus come from, I think. Well, so dodging uh, dodging the rain showers this weekend, Nicole, do you have any plans to get outside and get things done? And if so, oh, what? Yes, before it rains. So yeah. much thing to do. And it's not that cold. You know, just put a little sweater and it's comfortable. Like yesterday, it was 65, Yes, it warms up really nicely. But, man, the minute the sun starts to go down around, I don't even know, 6, 630, it... Um, it it drops like 10 degrees. It really cools off. Yeah, yeah. So if you have some uh, tulips ball, and it's time to plant them, and uh, a, a kind of ball, ball that don't mind, that just need the cool soil and hyacinth inside the house, if you can, force, force bulb uh, inside the house. That gives you something to smell good in February. Yes, and, tulips um, are gorgeous. Can't go wrong with that. But they're kind of a one-time use. You haven't had success in keeping tulip bulbs more than one year, right? No. This, um, it, our soil is too dense, like the clay. In the mm-hmm. summertime, bulbs are supposed to recuperate. But it's too hot here. And bobo in springtime, it's some, you know, it's just, it makes you feel happy, you know. But don't worry, just throw them and do it again next year, you know. If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, my producer Jason, his dad, plants a ton of tulips every year, and it just looks absolutely gorgeous out in Gwinnett County. Yes, yes. That's what I do uh, probably. uh, In every pot I have tulips. I always plant three, five, and seven. I don't know why, but you cannot plant only one. You've got to plant three, five, or seven. You like your odd numbers. Well, it, it is almost an odd number here, Nicole, coming up on 619, so that means we got to take a break. But I'm so glad you called, and have a good weekend. Enjoy being outside. And I did not forget your birthday. No, you did not. No, thank you very, very much. I'm another year older, and it doesn't feel any different. <laughs> I know. Enjoy your day. Thanks, Nicole. Always great to hear from you. 404-872-0750. You can join Green and Growing on until 8 o'clock today. Would love taking your garden calls. We're going to take a break and check traffic and weather. We'll be back on 95.5 WSB.
Thank you, Scott. 24 minutes after the hour, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. You have heard Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz warn you of showers. They're scattered this morning, but then more rain late in the afternoon. So today just maybe most mostly a washout. Highs in the low 60s, lows only around 51, and then tomorrow partly cloudy, a mix of sun and clouds, but the rain may return tomorrow night into Monday morning, so prepare for that and mostly a wet week ahead. And now time to do this. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. I gotta say, other than taking your calls, this is probably one of my favorite parts of the show just because we learn together and I do show prep and I do a little bit of research throughout the week just trying to get you the best three things to do. And I think we brainstormed this idea with the inception of this show back in January, February, uh, just to make garden gardening less intimidating for you. So if you kind of have a place to start when you go outside with your tools and you just seem overwhelmed, there's so much to tackle or you just don't quite know what to do, this hopefully helps a little bit week to week. So number one, if you have hellebore, Lenten rose, those are some great, great plants that start to bloom in the winter time and they like the same conditions as hostas. So they can stay a little wet, they do like the shade, but if they look a little ratty, and the leaves are looking ready at the base, you can clip off some leaves that just don't look good. There should be fresh green foliage emerging to take its place. And Walter, he just sheared his Linton Rose bed down to about six inches in mid-November, and it just has a cleaner look. He said he sent me a picture. All of those black leaves are gone, and, and like I said, it is getting ready to bloom in the next month or two, so don't worry about that. Number two, don't worry if some of the green leaves emerge above the bulbs that you planted earlier this fall. That's okay. Cold weather won't won't hurt them. If you have bulbs that you haven't gotten around to planting, get that done. Like Nicole was just saying with tulip bulbs, they'll be better off in the ground than in your garage or your carport. They just need to get in that soil. And Walter planted some in March and they looked fine in May. So it's not too late if you don't get around to it now with the holidays coming up. I know you're busy. So waiting even until March. And the, with daffodils too, if you plant the bulbs at different times, you're going to have them blooming at different times. So that may just make it last a little bit longer for you. And number three, maintain your live Christmas trees. Maybe you haven't had the heat on as much in the house because of this little warm-up that we have, but especially the Fraser firs, they just dry out. You've got to really check the base in the Christmas tree stand. I would say every three or four days, make sure the water level is where it needs to be because cut trees absorb a lot more water at first when you bring them in, so don't ever let that get dry. And potted or maybe bald and burlapped Christmas trees that you bought intending to plant later, they need water too. So the best way to do that is by wrapping maybe a dozen or so ice cubes in a towel, put that on top of the soil, and then the water will slowly be absorbed down into the root ball rather than running off the sides. And we did have a great call. I think it was Cryptomeria. Uh, last weekend when Christy Bryant, an arborist, was on with us, a lady wanted to use a cryptomeria as a Christmas tree. I hope that's what it was. And then plant it outside. And Christy said, yeah, that's a great idea. Go for it. I love that. So coming up, your garden calls, 404-872-0750. And we're going to be having a conversation with Walter about defects in trees and making sure you're properly paying attention to your tree health. We'll be back on Green and Growing. You're listening to WSB.
Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, welcome back to Green and Growing. Glad you are still here on a Saturday morning. We're going to get this show uh, in and under less than two hours because we got to make room for the Georgia Bulldogs and their tailgate show beginning at 8 o'clock and kick off at noon. They have traveled to Missouri to face the Tigers. So all of that action is going to be right here on WSB. But that still means you have time to call 404-872-0750 to get your garden question in and hopefully answered. We're going to talk to Wayne and Rex about a citrus tree here in just a minute. But as we always do at this time, we talk to Walter Reeves, expert gardener, had this show long before I was around, well, 26 years ago. I was born. I was maybe 10, 11 years old. But he's had the show for a long, long time, 26 years right here on WSB, the Lawn and Garden Show. I took over in February, learned almost everything I know from Walter. So this time of year is a really good time to start thinking about tree health because the leaves have fallen off so you can really see branch structure and see the the trees back to their trunks and notice anything that may be going awry with your trees. So here to talk about it, the one and only Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Good morning, Ashley. I have been wandering around my neighborhood and I'm wondering if our listeners are noticing the same things that I'm seeing in the trees. And what I see are trees that have co-dominant trunks. Now, you may not know what a co-dominant trunk is, but it's where a tree trunk splits into two trunks. The trunk has two pretty equal branches that come up from it, like a, like a fork in the sky. And that can be a bad thing for the tree because one of those trunks eventually is going to fail. And it's a big limb that can fall on your house or your car or your property and do damage. And co-dominant trunks are a common problem with trees. And it's so easy to see them now in the fall when the leaves are off the trees. And if you wander around your landscape and you see a trunk, a tree that has co-dominant trunks, if it's close to the ground where you can reach it yourself, then you go to the pruning saw or loppers or something. You take one of the two co-dominant trunks off. Or you can shorten one to make it the weaker of the two. And it'll grow much more slowly. And the trunk may be a little crooked right there, but eh, it's no big deal. But if the trunks are way up in the air and they're big limbs, you need to hire a professional to come and look at it and decide what would be best for the tree. And the professionals that you need to have are called consulting arborists. You need to have a consulting arborist. And the way to find one is easy. You go to the website, georgiaarborist.org, and look at the list of members. And there are members, some of them work for tree companies, of course, but there are also members who that's all they do. They're just consulting arborists. You decide which one you like. And when you find somebody that looks like they serve your neighborhood, you call them up, you make an appointment, and they come out. But one of the things you look for, the one of the things I always look for, is all good consulting arborists have a certification number from the International Society of Arboriculture, the ISA. And this means they have passed all sorts of tests about tree diseases, tree health, tree insects, how to maintain trees, how to prune trees. They are really, really smart people. So an ISA certified arborist is a person you can trust to tell you exactly and honestly what is good for your tree. So if you hire a consulting arborist who'll come out and look at your tree, they'll tell you what needs to be done, then you decide what to do. They may, they, they may decide to take the whole limb out or they may decide they could shorten it somehow. They can't be ignored. Co-dominant trunks cannot be ignored. They're a bad thing to have on a tree because sooner or later they will fail and fall. 
And again, the website for Consulting Arborist is georgiaarborist.org. Now, another thing that I look for as I wander my landscape is to look for branches that are too close to each other on a trunk. And this is really, really common on Bradford pear. You can see Bradford pear limbs are all clustered around one spot on the trunk. Eventually, one of those limbs is going to be pushed away. And if your car is parked nearby, it's sort of like bang, boom, call your insurance person. So if you, if you have a Bradford pear, look for branches that grow very, very close to each other and decide if one can be taken away so that the other can be left on the tree and won't fall. And the third thing that I look for in my trees is just general structural, structural characteristics. I don't want to have dead limbs on a tree, of course, because one could fall and hurt me as I walk around the yard. I look for limbs that cross from one side of the tree to the other. They'll never flower very well. They'll never fruit very well. They don't really do much for the tree, so I can take a crossing limb out. I check if limbs are rubbing on each other because the wound can be a place where diseases or, or insects can invade. So I cut out all the limbs that I think are dead or crossing or rubbing so that tree remains healthy. And that's what I do. It should take, gosh, less than an hour to look at all the trees in your landscape, looking for co-dominant trunks, clustered limbs, and structural defects of the tree itself. And if you do that, if you do that once a year, you can go to bed at night knowing that your trees, at least, are one of the last things you have to worry about. And we've got plenty of other things we can worry about, not your trees. And you know what else we don't want you worrying about? Thank you, Walter, is getting up on a ladder, though. It is great to take about an hour, look up at the trees, see the limbs, but don't get up too high. If you have to lift a chainsaw above your head, it's probably not going to be good work for you. So yes, go to georgiaarborist.org and find an arborist there. But great advice there from Walter. And I want to commend one of my listeners. I wanted to talk about this situation last week when I had Christy on and we just simply ran out of time. But Eric messaged me on Facebook and he had really fascinating pictures of one oak tree with the limbs growing towards another oak. And one oak tree adopted the limb of the larger oak next to it. So it had kind of a split, a break, and it had already kind of grafted itself onto the limb of a neighboring oak tree. And he said, how common is that? So, of course, I had to reach out to my arborist friends thinking, you know what, I've never noticed something like that. Where clearly it, the original oak gave up that limb. It got grafted over to this oak next to it, and it's it's thriving. It had leaves and everything. So Seth Hawkins with the Georgia Forestry Commission, his answer to Eric and I was, you know, I've seen fused tree branches and stems before, but never a situation like this where the fused section was providing structural support and all the moisture and the nutrients for that new limb. So it stands to reason, considering the mechanism that makes the two branches or the tree parts fuse, it just never have seen how well that fused section could replace the original parent stem support. So that was really, really neat. So I'm glad to have Eric looking up, checking out everything around him. And I'm going to share that uh, picture for the rest of you on the Facebook page on green and growing WSB. So you can kind of see that just some of the funky things you may notice when you're looking up and not to mention nests, squirrel nests and bird nests and all kinds of things. If you just take time to pay attention to nature around you. 404-872-0750. Up next is Wayne calling from Rex. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the show. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas. Hey, same to you, buddy. Hey, How are I'd you? Like, uh, I think you can identify this this tree. It's about 10, 12 feet tall. It's uh, probably about, uh, uh, let's see, well, it's got, I call it the crown of thorns. It's been here all my life, and uh, I'm 
I'm bumping 100 years old. And it, it used to go in the yard, and, and it's two or three of them, but it's got long thorns on it. I call it the crown of thorns. Now, and, I, and do we I, know it's a citrus tree, or we're not even sure about that? No, I'm not sure, but I've always heard from my father that it was uh, a lemon tree, a wild lemon. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, and let's do some homework there then, Wayne. So most citrus and trees... It, do have thorns. Uh, they keep them almost like porcupines or hedgehogs, just for protection, right, to keep hungry animals away. Some do mature and lose their thorns. Some don't. So we could put it in the citrus tree category, certainly. Um, and Jason just told me this was interesting because I've not grown a Meyer lemon before. But uh, my producer, Jason, was saying if you take one of the leaves off and rub it and crush it in your fingers, you can smell the citrus from the leaves. So that may well, be kind of a good no indication. on it right sure. now. Yeah, yeah, but when it does, to make sure we've got that lemon tree. So basically, there's three natural species of citrus trees, and and every tree is some cultivar of those. So there's some in the cider family, like lemon trees. There's cider hybrids, and there's the pomelo, uh, pomelo family. So that sometimes could be limes and bitter oranges and a little bit different. And then the third category is uh, maxima. And they're tangerines and things like that. So what we may have to do is wait for the leaves to come on and look at the differences in the leaves in those three categories to identify okay. what kind of fruit it's going to bear. Okay. So um, I can send you this really neat little diagram, actually. There's slight variations in the leaves for those three different varieties of citrus. Um, some are a little more serrated edges than others. Some are broader across the middle and some are taller than others. So just by looking at the shape of the leaf, you can at least determine what fruit it's going to bear, if it's going to be in the grapefruit family, if it's going to be in the lemon family. And you're not really pushing 100, are you? Are you exaggerating, Wayne? Are you really like 68? Well, I'm getting close to 100. Okay. I'm, you know, about 20 years away, but uh, I, got a lot of, <laughs> I, I got a lot of living yet I want to do. <laughs> I didn't think you were that close, but yeah, I mean, eighty. Well, all right. getting, well you're still you're still active. You're out there. You're gardening. You're looking at things. Well, I'm not I'm not active as I used to be because I went I'm I'm blind. Oh, so see I'm, that I'm smell test blind. is, but that I'm, smell I'm test is blind. gonna be really I, I, yeah. So I can see a little bit, but I I can see enough to you know. Sure. Well, this is this is reassuring for you, Wayne, and because we have the sense of smell and the sense of touch that we could maybe That's get a right. hold of these leaves once they start to come out and identify. So now I'm going to test you here. I'm going to have DeMarco talk to you off the air and see if you've got an email address, because unfortunately with radio, there's no visual medium here. So I'm going to have to send you the pictures of these leaves and kind of let you maybe blow them up real big and see if you can see the differences in the width and the height of these leaves and maybe the serrated edges and that'll give you a guide to uh to maybe look at that citrus tree when it's ready and when it's got leaves i'm so glad you called wayne 404-872-0750 and i got a question from gary with a photo that's what i love about facebook on the green and growing wsb facebook page that y'all are able to send me pictures that really really helps when you're telling me something's wrong with your plant or your tree or your flowers so he sent me a picture of um, an azalea, a native azalea. Well, no, not native, just just an older school azalea, not uh, not encore with the smaller leaves. And it's really starting to lose its leaves, which naturally a lot of them do now. But you can tell the leaves that have stayed on are very speckled 
and they're very yellowed. So he says, you know, my azaleas, they look like they have some disease and I was hoping you can help. So right now I wouldn't worry a whole lot about any leaf spot or any problems with azaleas just because any bug that uh, was likely bothering them in the spring and in the summertime is going to die out with really cold temperatures if we get long periods of time this winter with really cold temperatures. But I will say lace bug is the first thing I thought because of the speckled yellow leaves. So they could uh, stay alive during the wintertime. It's just really going to depend. But lace bugs are something you definitely want to start treating in the springtime because they're just really active. They produce thousands of offspring if you let them be through the summertime. So lace bug is going to be that. So you definitely want to inspect the leaves and you look at the backside too. And when you see tiny black spots across the back of the leaf and they're maybe along like mid vein, you'll know that's what it is. So treatments uh, mid spring like insecticidal soap, or if you didn't want to use that more of a systemic insecticide to keep those away because it's going to poison the sap that those lace bugs eat. So Gary, hopefully that's all you're dealing with, but not much treatment to be done now with lace bugs on your azaleas. 404-872-0750. Have Dirk in Atlanta coming up, but we got to take a break, check traffic and weather, and we'll be right back. I'm Ashley Frasca hosting Green and Growing here on WSB. So we have really lucked out the last two or three days with some awesome weather, but unfortunately that's not going to be the case today. If you don't like rain, you're going to want to stay inside because we have scattered showers, mainly late afternoon and evening, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have one or two this morning. High around 63, low around 51. And tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with rain likely in the evening. So that's going to go into quite possibly your Monday morning drive back into work. And then we do have rain coming in through the beginning of next week. So just plan ahead. 404-872-0750. So Chris in Gainesville hit me up on uh, on the Facebook page on Green and Growing WSB. And I love that because that's where you can send me pictures of things you're trying to work on and just sharing information. So he wanted Wayne to know that, Wayne, if you're still listening, maybe you have a hardy orange. That's a citrus plant that grows in Georgia. So a hardy orange, that very well could be. So thanks for that, Chris. All right, up next, Dirk calling from Atlanta. Hey, welcome to Green and Growing, Dirk. Good morning. Good morning. I, the reason for bringing up this is because, and I just heard you talk about citrus in Atlanta, kind of mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I heard you talk about two trees getting fused together. Right. And I have seen, I, I don't know if you have seen this, but orange, tangerine, and the grapefruit on one tree. Ah, fruit salad tree. How fun are those? Have you grown one? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm from Jamaica. I've been here for 37 years. But back then um, in school, they kind of, you know, teach you how to do things like that in terms of it's called budding. Mm -hmm. You know, you take a part of one plant and you, you know, um, slit like the bark or where you see, for example, where the joint is of the one tree, you know, one little fragile joint, and uh-huh. you get a, another joint from the other tree, and you kind of split it open and and kind of lift the bark up and um, stick the other tree in there, and uh, tie it around. We usually use, like, banana leaves or something. 
untied down right there. That is so cool. Yeah, Dirk, better known too, is is grafting. You're absolutely right. Now, we can't take two varieties that are so different, like oranges and pears, and have that successfully graft onto a tree. But absolutely, those fruit salad trees, you can have one with different citruses on it, up to eight different fruits. There's an apple one that has a few different varieties of apples. There's even one that has peaches, plums, and apricots all on one tree. So I love where your uh, thought process was going there, Dirk. Well, we talked about citrus trees, and then we talked about branches grafting onto one another, and lo and behold, you came up with fruit trees. I love it. Thanks for the call. Glad you were here. Glad you're up early on a Saturday morning with me. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back into hour number two of Green and Growing on WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.